Y'all can be seated. Look at your neighbor say congratulations to you for whatever you did this week. Just want to congratulate you. Come on, tell them. You didn't look at your neighbor. Come on, look at your neighbor and say congratulations on everything you did. All right, how many are ready for the word this morning? All right, good. Uh, 9 a.m., man, they were ready, fired up, ready to roll. Uh, but I told them, I said, 11 a.m., we're going to be better than y'all are. So I just... So here we go. We have been in a, uh, a series uh, called Uncharted, and we've been going through the book of Joshua, expository teaching, taking it verse by verse, uh, and because we feel like there's some keys in the book of Joshua that help you transition, move from one thing to another thing, step into everything God has promised for you. If you want everything God's promised for you, just nod your head at me, all right? I want, I want it. Well, we believe there are some really incredible keys and revelations in the book of Joshua to help us do that. And this is actually our seventh Sunday that we have been in this series. If you've missed them, you can go listen to them online at our website. But our text has been Joshua chapter 3 and verse number 4, where uh, the Lord says to Joshua, you have not passed this way before. In other words, there is no grid for where you're going. So you're going to have to learn some things to help you walk through this. And I would just say to some of you right now, you're probably in a situation or entering a situation that you've never been before. And it can get scary and you can freak out about it. But there are some really, really good keys in the book of Joshua that help you transition. Last weekend, I want to recap just a little bit. Last weekend, we read Joshua 6 and verse number 1. And it says, now the gates of Jericho were tightly shut because the people were afraid of the Israelites. No one was allowed to go out or in. But, everybody say, but the Lord said. But the Lord said to Joshua, I have given you Jericho, its king, and all of its warriors. In other words, it's easy sometimes for us to hear the promises of God and then suddenly we're standing looking at this huge wall and start questioning everything that God has spoken over us or everything that we have felt in our life. But I love what God says. I have given you Jericho. Speaking in, in past tense of something that's going to happen in the future. I have given you Jericho. And last week we talked about the fact that instead of looking at the problem and instead of looking for a plan, focus on the promise. Because the problem will mess you up, right? And getting worried about the plan will mess you up. Amen. So focus on the promise that God has for you because what God said is more important than what you see. So you have to go back to what does God's word say? What have I heard the Holy Spirit speaking in my life? And God says, I have given you not just the territory, but the victory. And something we said last week is we win. Come on, look at it on the screen. Bring it up. Let them see it, Swags. Everybody say, we win. I've read the back of the book. I cheated. I went ahead and I read it. We win. So when you're dealing with a situation, just remember what God has promised you 
and just say it over. We win. As long as I'm a part of the body of Christ and in relationship with Him, I win. I mean, that right there ought to be a reason you want to be a part of church right there. Just we win. Winning team. Done. Before you start the clock, done. We win. All right? So then, after God gives him the promise and speaks the outcome over him, he says, I've given you the city. I've given you the king. I've given you all of the, the mighty warriors. Then, after he gives him the promise, then he gives him the plan. Last week, I made a statement. Uh, I said, how many of you uh, are always strategizing and planning, you know, and people raise their hand and you get up in the details. And then I made a statement like all you Excel spreadsheet people, okay? And I had some people say, well, that's me. I'm kind of offended. And I'm like, whatever, who cares? <laughs> no, I didn't say that. <laughs> but didn't really have anybody offended. But I will say this, that uh, those of you that have to have a perfect plan, sometimes that's tough when you're following Jesus. All right? It is. However, for those of you that love the Excel spreadsheet and the strategizing, I've got a word for you today. Not only does God give a promise, but God also gives a plan. God speaks a promise, and then He gives the plan. So last week was promise, this week is plan. This is where we pick up today, Joshua 6 and 3. And God says, you and your fighting men should march around the town once a day for six days. Seven priests will walk ahead of the ark, each carrying a ram's horn. On the seventh day, you are to march around the town seven times with the priests blowing the horns. I'm going to read several verses here, then we're going to go back and talk about it. When you hear the priests give one loud blast, long blast, on the ram's horn, have all the people shout as loud as they can. Then the walls of the town will collapse and the people can charge straight into the town. So Joshua called together the priests and he said, Take up the Ark of the Lord's Covenant and assign seven priests to walk in front of it, each carrying a ram's horn. Then he gave orders to the people, March around the town and the armed men will lead the way in front of the Ark of the Lord. After Joshua spoke to the people, the seven priests with the ram's horns started marching in the presence of the Lord, blowing the horns as they marched. And the Ark of the Lord's Covenant followed behind them. Verse 9, some of the armed men marched in front of the priest with the horns and some behind the ark with the priest continually blowing the horns. Do not shout, do not even talk, Joshua commanded. Not a single word from any of you. It sounds like my daddy when I was young. Not a single word from any of you until I tell you to shout, then shout. So the ark of the Lord was carried around the town once that day And then everyone returned to spend the night in the camp. Studying the book of Joshua has given me such a respect for Joshua. I always always liked him, but I don't know if I really understood how incredible he really was. Because Joshua not only hears from God, which he does, but he's also obedient to what God tells him to do. Y'all know that's the two things, right? You got to have faith in what God is saying, then you need to do what God told you to do. So Joshua was a guy that could hear from God. He was a guy that would then walk that word out. But then thirdly, he was not afraid to tell people what he was hearing. 
And that's where it gets really strong and brave when you're not only willing to hear from God, you're willing to do it, but then you're willing to tell other people this is what God is doing. Joshua was strong. He stands up and begins to share the battle plan with the people of Israel. And y'all, here's the thing. This does not sound like a battle plan. Let's walk back through this, okay? Let's, let's, okay. So can you imagine Joshua? All right, everybody gather around. I'm going to give you the battle plan for us taking Jericho. You ready? Yeah, let's go, let's go. Roo, roo. Come on, battle plan. First of all, I need all the fighting men. Yeah, let's go. Fighting men. Fighting, we've been waiting on, been marching through the wilderness, been circumcised. Come on, ready to kill somebody. Can we please? If you weren't here one of those Sundays, we did a whole Sunday on just that part right there. All right, I'm ready. Let's go. All right, fighting men, line up. Okay, next, I need the priest. Oh, whoa, 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 what? Yeah, I need the priest. The, the priest, the guys that, in the temple? Yeah, I need them. The really uh, pale guys, you know, that don't ever come outside. Yeah, that's the guys I need right there. They're going with us. Oh, okay, all right, they're going to go with us. And then we need to get the Ark of the Covenant. Whoa, What? The Ark of the Covenant? Our most prized possession? Sacred? Holy? You're going to get that out of the tabernacle and you're going to bring it into battle? Yep, yep, we're going we're to do that. Okay, well, at least we got the fighting men, right? Yeah, but here's the thing about the fighting men. They're just going to march and be quiet. Matter of fact, I don't want any of them saying a single word. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to march around the city, oh yeah, quietly, except for priests blowing horns. (laughs) And then we're going to attack, no, we're just going to go back to camp. So we're going to march around one time and go back to camp. Exactly. Okay, here we go. And that's what they did. And then watch what it says in verse 12. Joshua got up early the next morning. And the priest again carried the ark of the Lord. And the seven priests with the ram's horn marched in front of the ark of the Lord, again blowing their horns. And again, the armed men marched both in front of the priests with the horns and behind the ark of the Lord. All this time, the priests were blowing their horns. On the second day, they again marched around the town once and returned to camp. And they followed this pattern for six days. I want to zero in just a little bit. I want to hone in on a couple of things I want to pull out about this. First of all, I want to talk about the horns, the ram's horn, uh, also called a shofar. And it's a a Jewish instrument that was used uh, to celebrate. It was used to call a nation to repentance. It was used uh, for warfare. Uh, There were four different blasts that were used on the shofar, and we could go through all of those, but we won't. But the one that is most likely uh, thought was is believed to be most likely used is this one. I can't really pronounce it, but it's going to come up. The terura terura. Look at your neighbor and just try to pronounce that real quick on the count of three. One, two, three. Teruha. I think. I think. I think. We, yeah. Okay. This one is made up of nine short staccato blasts, and it signifies warfare, and it signifies. Victory. This is what they would have used. So I want you to hear it right now. This is what it would sound like. 
And we're marching. Okay, let's go home. And that six days of that, silent except for horns blowing. And then going on. You talk about psychological warfare. Can you imagine Jericho? Oh, here comes the Bible says they were afraid, knees knocking because of the Israelites. And now they're marching on the temp, the, 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 uh, the city. Uh, here they come. Let's get ready. And they just march around silently and blow horns. And they just watch them. That's psychological warfare, right? I, I was really talking about, can you imagine the psychological warfare on the Israelites? Fired up, ready to do battle. And what does God say do? Shh, be quiet, and just walk. I want you to do that for six days. Let me say something to you. This part right here is the key to victory. We celebrate what we're going to hear later on. Shout, walls fall. That's what what you know about Jericho, right? That's what we celebrate about Jericho. But the key to victory is these six days when they didn't give up. Anybody there right now? One honest lady. Thank you, ma'am, for being here. I appreciate you making... Let me ask you a question. Have you ever felt like You are doing what God said to do, but you're not seeing what he said you would see. We all feel that way. I want to give you some, I believe, some some nuggets, some revelations that can help you in this season, in in this time where you're just marching. Number one, they're going to bring it on the screen. Number one, keep walking even when it doesn't seem like it's working. Keep walking even when it does not seem to be working. They marched for six days and not a brick moved. Six days of marching and nothing fell, nothing nudged. And the scripture says that we walk by faith and not by sight. We are called to walk and trust God with the work. Many times when you face a big wall, the first thing is, oh, the problem. And then you're like, we got to have a plan. Somebody get me a pickaxe and a chisel. We're going to take this thing out. All right. We're going to start working. That's not what God said do. God says, I want you to walk. And leave the working to me. And I'm going to tell you right now. If you will be faithful to the walk. God will be faithful to the work. That was a better word than y'all amen on that one. I'm going to tell you. One more time. If you will be faithful. It wasn't in my notes. I don't know what I said. If you'll be faithful to the walk. God will be faithful to the work. So how do I do that? Here's how you do it. Number two. Be faithful to 
and focus on your next step. Be faithful to it and focus on the next step. We make a really big deal about first steps and last steps, right? Kickoff, game over. We make big deals about that. We make big deals about a baby being born and laying someone to rest. We make a big deal about this morning when people raised their hands and gave their heart to Jesus for the first time. We make a big deal about that. Heaven celebrates when they make it to the other side. We make big deals about that. But the first step and the last step are meaningless if you don't take the next step. The next step is the most important step. And sometimes it's easy. I know for me, it's easy for me to get so focused on what I feel like God has called us to do. And I want to see this happen. And I I want my boys to step into this and my marriage. And I want this to all this big stuff. And how am I ever going to, to make it? And all God is saying, just, hey, buddy, we're just one step. We tell that you, those of you that uh, want to lead a gathering, you hear us say this. As a gathering leader, and we say this to all of our leaders, as a leader, you have one goal, and that is to help people make their next step with Jesus. Just one step. So instead of, I look at, I look at some of the issues that, that people that we minister to and talk to, and man, it just seems tough. I don't know how they're ever going to get out of that. How in the world are they ever going to walk in freedom and victory? And how, how's that relationship ever going to be restored? And I just don't know. I mean, know what I'm talking about. And God says, look, leave the work to me. Just focus on the next step. That one next step. Let me ask you something. What is the thing that God has asked you to do next? Because until you're obedient to what he asked you to do last, you can never step into what he wants you to do next. What is the last thing that the Holy Spirit convicted you about and said, you need to stop that or you need to start that? What is that thing that you open your word and you you saw something you have? Oh, man. okay, that was for me. What is that last Sunday that I was speaking and you said, man, I felt that was just for me. All right. I got I got to go do something. All right, let's go. I'm going. I'm going. I'm going to do this. Hey, where are we going to lunch? Okay, and uh, what are we doing tonight? And then he just kind of... What is the last thing God asks you to do? Be faithful to that. Everybody say, just one step. Don't let the journey discourage you. Just take the next step. How many are looking at, at, at an insurmountable odds right now on something? Just raise your hand. There's somebody, something that you're... you're Let me tell you how life works. Here's how life works. Gradually, 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 suddenly. You ever seen people that just suddenly that happened? Yeah? Well, you don't see all the gradual that just happened. We pastored a guy, they used to say, the issue, my issue with life is that it's just so daily. 
I, if life was yearly, wouldn't that be better? It's like, big, okay, no, just daily, just get up. Like my grandma said, how do you live to 95? Just keep breathing, baby. <laughs> just, just keep breathing. You wake up in the morning, eat some breakfast, and you wait till dinner. And then you do the, you do the next thing. Be faithful to that and let God take care of the rest of it. Keep walking even when it doesn't seem to be working. Be faithful to and focus on your next step. And thirdly, stay in your day. Write that down. Stay in your day. Where I want to be right now, right now, I want to be in day seven. Yeah, I want to be talking about, blow the horn, yeah, shout, let's go kill somebody, Let's take the city. It's ours. But that's day seven. Day six is marching silently and then go back home. Don't try to do something in day six that's meant for day seven. You talk about messing your life up. Abraham, you're going to be the father of many nations. You're going to have so many kids, they're going to be like the stars in the sky and the sand on the sea. And Abraham just waits and waits and waits and waits and he gets tired of waiting and, has, and goes finds him a servant girl and has sex with her. And now, this is why you have wars all over the world. Because of that one moment where he didn't wait for his day. See, one of the great things about David, we talk about David being submitted to, to his father being submitted. But David was, I think he was most powerful because he submitted to his seasons. David knew how to stay in his day. Think about this. David is tending sheep. He hears news that the prophet is showing up at his house. Y'all, when the prophet showed up then, that was a big deal. The prophet is coming. Everybody, all the boys are there. Everybody's there. Where's David. David's tending sheep. Because David's day was to tend sheep. It was his season to be a shepherd. And he was faithful to that season. And finally the prophet has to go call for him. Some of you that are trying to make your way and break walls down, just be faithful where God has called you to be right now and then let the prophet call for you, okay? It works out so much better than you trying to move boulders. and. Ooh, that was something for somebody right there. I just felt that burning in me. Just be faithful to your day because what David is learning in that season is what prepares him for his next season. Protecting the sheep, killing a bear, killing a lion, protecting the sheep. And then he's called and the the prophet lays hands on him, says, you are going to be the king of Israel. What does David do next? David goes to battle, goes to war. What does he use during this season? He uses the same weapon that he used in his last season, that he had proven in the day he was faithful to it. Saul's like, put your armor on, put my armor on. Nope, I've proven a sling. I'm going to use the sling. Look at your neighbor and say, use the weapons that you know how to use, and then God will give you others. After he kills Goliath, what does he do then? He picks up Goliath's sword because now he's promoted. He's graduated. 
David had this thing. The only time David ever got in trouble was when he was not uh, submitted to the season God had him in. Remember when he's a king and they go to war and he's home? But he looks over and sees Bathsheba taking a bath and he goes, I want her. And he does what a warrior does, takes what he wants instead of like a king does. He reverts back. And because of that, God had to judge him and judged everything. Let me listen. Let me, t- let me listen to y'all, okay? Listen to me. <laughs> Be nice. This is my second time to do this today, all right? Look at me. Stay in your day. Be faithful to where God has you right now. That doesn't mean you don't stop, that you stop walking. You keep walking, but you're faithful to where God has you and you're trusting Him to bring you out. Oh, but it's so tough. I love the Bible says these momentary struggles do not compare to the glory that's going to be revealed in us. If you will be faithful, listen, amen. If you will be faithful to what God has called you to do right now, God is going to be faithful to take you where He wants you to go. Keep walking even when it doesn't seem to be working. Be faithful and focus on your next step. Stay in your day. Next, stick to the plan. Stick to the plan. God's plans do not look like our plans. And that's why we can get off, right? Like you can start off going, okay, God, here we go. Yay, amen. What are we doing? Oh, my goodness. It's like fans mid-season, you know, just the coach doesn't know what he's doing and all gung-ho at the beginning and then stick to the plan. God's plans don't look like our plans. You know why? Because he's seen our plans. He has seen our plans And they're terrible. (laughs) What's the old saying? Make plans and God, man makes plans and God laughs. Not only has he seen our plans, he's seen the outcome of our plans. How many of you ever had a good plan that was just a bad plan? Raise your hand. Yeah. That's not how God works. God has not just a good plan. God's got a God plan. And whatever God plans comes to pass. So stick to the plan and watch your life get a lot easier. Some of us are walking through all kind of mess and we're blaming it on everybody else. And we're the ones that got out of the plan of God. Lastly today, man, I got more I'd love to do. We'll do this next week. Lastly, remember that there is a purpose to the plan. This is what helps me keep going. There's a purpose. There is a purpose. I don't understand it. I may not even like it. I've been practicing my jujitsu, man. I got swords and battle training, and what am I doing? Marching silently while the priests are blowing trumpets. <laughs> I don't like this plan. Amen? 
But God's plans have a purpose. The reason that the fighting men are supposed to be quiet and the reason that the priests are going to be blowing trumpets is because God wants to make sure and make it undeniably clear that the battle is His. And victory depends on Him. He does not want to get to the end of the walls falling and somebody be able to say, I did that right there. I, me, I'm the one that did that. No, you didn't. The reason the trumpets are, are, are supposed to be, you blow the trumpet, why? Because that's what they would use to begin every religious festivity in Israel. And so it's symbolic. God's saying, we're blowing the trumpets. It's, this is going to be a God thing. And the reason they carried the Ark of the Covenant is because that's symbolic and signified the presence of God. God, we are not going to go into this battle unless you're there with us. Let me say something. Don't pick a fight that God's not in. Just don't do it. Make sure His presence is there. I wrote in my notes, and this is just for me, maybe, but I, I, I wrote that I, I don't want to pick a fight without my father. I, my dad was at the 9 o'clock service, and I pointed him out. I'm like, if there's a fight going down, there's some strong men in this room. I know that. Some guys that could help fight, but I'm picking my daddy. I'm going to tell you right now. He's 70 years old. I don't care. I'm picking my daddy. One, he packs. Okay, that's one reason. But... <laughs> The other, the other reason is his, I'm his son. I mean, I, I, mean, I believe if it, if it went down. I, I mean, I believe that you would fight for me, right? If it went down, but not like my daddy would fight for me, you know? So just don't go into a battle unless your daddy's going with you because your daddy's bigger than everybody else's daddy. So, Lord, I ain't going if you ain't going with me. <laughs> Make sure the presence of God is there. Are you, are, you, uh, are you sensitive to the presence of God? If you're not, begin to pray that you can be more sensitive. That you know when He's there. Because I'm going to tell you, that's how you know which battles to fight and not to fight. You just, you, okay, God, you're in this. All right, come on, we're going to win this thing. Let's go. Every single part of this military maneuver was a test Israelites, do you have faith in me and are you willing to follow it out? And really, everything in this Bible, right here, every single word comes down to those two things. I mean, if I could take it right now and just shrink it down to those two things, it would be that. Do you have faith in God's word and are you willing to be obedient to it? That is the relationship with God. Do you have faith in God's word and are you willing to be obedient to it? I think that's a great place to close today. How many receive that word into your heart? Me, I do. I do. Thank you, Lord. That's one of those boomerang words for me. I just throw that thing out and it comes back and smacks me in the back of the head on Tuesday. I've been doing, I've been in full-time ministry for uh, 31 years now. 
and in pastoral ministry for over 20, I, I can't keep count. Um, and I, I, have, I have several missions, I think, that God has placed on Chris and I. But the one that I hold closest is to be sensitive to his presence. To be sensitive. Because I feel like God has, God makes very clear in his word. And that's for all of us to, to learn and, and devour and make it a part of our life. But as a shepherd, I'm called to lead into green pastures and still waters. Like that grass over there, you may live in that, you know. That over there, that'll kill you. But what if we could get some good green rich and really help us grow? Uh, I feel like that's one of the things that God has caused a pastor to do. Uh, Parents to do the same thing, I think. Leaders, that's what God calls us to do. Always looking for the best grass, you know, let's get there. And I've learned one way I do that is just being sensitive to the Holy Spirit. What is he saying? And I felt it at 9 o'clock, and I felt the same thing and a lot of times, last week, nine was completely different than 11. Like, they're, they're like two different churches, you know. But today, I feel the same presence of the Lord that I felt at nine as I do at 11. And let me explain the difference. Sometimes you feel the presence of the Lord like, I'm here. <laughs> We're about to do something, you know. And you know, okay, this is strong. There's other times that it's sweet and sensitive and beautiful. That's what I felt all day long. And here's what I've learned. That's the time when God is gently beckoning somebody. When he shows up strong, he's like, y'all better get right, okay? (laughs) This is what we're going to do. But when he shows up gentle, that means there's someone or several someones that he's being really tender with. Doesn't want to push you. Just want to beckon you. What's your next step? Don't you love that, that Jesus didn't get behind the disciples with a cattle prod and a whip? He just said, come follow me. Come hang with me. Let's, let's go do this thing. Come on. That's what he's doing today. Just close your eyes.